2: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money Starts Now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer America. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain and educate, but I got to put this whole thing in context. So call me at 1 800. 743-CBC. Or tweet me at Jim Cramer. A house divided against itself can produce some amazing profits. I know that's not exactly Lincolnian sentiment, but one look at today's action where the Dow surged 545 points, the S&P pole vaulted 2.12%, and the Nasdaq soared 2.64%. Tells you that investors love gridlock. Buy, 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 buy. So they're coming off the sidelines to buy. But that's not all that's driving this remarkable run. House of pleasure. I've been in this business for almost 40 years, and I've repeatedly noticed this pattern, and I call it the big ba- bad event theory. Big bad event. When something uncertain is on the horizon, like an election, it paralyzes some investors and causes some others to make serious mistakes. <laughs> Normally, I focus on the paralysis. There are plenty of people who have no idea what to do with this big, bad event. So what do do they do? So often, they panic beforehand and then do nothing when they should be buying into the own weakness that they're creating in the the house of pain. And that's exactly what happened, again, going into this election. Panic, paralysis, big, bad event. Of course, there were many steps leading up to the panic and the paralysis, especially Jay Powell, Fed chief. His comments on October 2nd about the need to keep uh, raising interest rates in lockstep to stop inflation. Tone deaf. Must regret that one. Oh, as well as Mike Pence, the vice president. uh, His big speech two days later at the Hudson Institute, where he explained that our trade war with China wasn't about trade at all. It's about containing the rise of China as a regional superpower by cutting back on commerce with the PRC. Pence's speech read like something Ronald Reagan would have said about the Soviet Union right down to the notion that the PRC has squelched dissent and denied religious freedom. I'll tell you something. Between Powell and Pence, it was a one-two punch. More rate hikes, slower economy, long-lasting trade war with China, potentially hurting a lot of industries. We then got a couple of high-profile earnings misses with plenty of negative commentary from CEOs about rising labor, commodity costs, freight, supply chain, not to mention the strong dollar. Put it all together, and we got last month's epic train wreck. Now we've rebounded since then. But going to the election, many people were just so plain fearful of any outcome, no matter what. So after bailing out as many stocks in October, they husbanded their cash, waiting to invest until after the election. That's how the big bad event theory works, and that's how it played out on your screens or on that thing that's underneath me right now. You see it? It's like right about here, isn't it? Anyway, uh, I think we would have rallied regardless of the results. Although gridlock certainly helps as lots of investors were hoping that Washington would become less of a factor for the stock market and that this Trump stock. We have to worry anymore. But you know what? It wasn't just buyers coming in from the sidelines. There are so many hedge funds, especially what we call quant funds, which make these algorithms that were set up to make bets against certain sectors of the market, which meant you also had a considerable short base. In other words, people betting against who have to buy. Going into the election. So let's take healthcare. I don't know if you saw the stocks like the healthcare care insurers and stuff. They were up crazy. Well, here's why. If you believe that Republicans would hold both houses of Congress with an expanded majority, then you had to assume they would repeal Obamacare, something they almost managed to do last year. And getting rid of Obamacare would be really bad news for the whole health care cohort. Really, all of them. Because, let's think about this, it means these companies get less business. That's what happens when millions of people lose their medical insurance. Flawed though it may be. But anyone who made that bet had to quickly unwind their short positions today because the current system will be preserved with a Democratic majority in the House. That's what's going to happen. That's why the healthcare stocks I mentioned rocketed, rocketed. They're the hospitals. Remember I told you to buy the hospital HCA? I mean, it's got more room to run. There's the health insurers led by UnitedHealth. How much do we love UnitedHealth? Uh, the stock. Uh, and Centene, Michael Meidorf, right? the latter which dodged a bullet when Democrats took the House. Of course, the short sellers were further burned by Humana's spectacular earnings this morning. By the same token, you can buy the big pharma stocks like Johnson & Johnson, Merck and Pfizer, or the medical device companies. Those are really on fire. A- Abbott Labs, Medtronic, Dexcom. Remember the G6? No, not the plane. The device. They all soared, too, as the shorts covered and longs pondered the impact of a handful of states that voted to expand Medicaid. More customers more money. What else? Let's say you thought we'd get a Democratic sweep of both houses. In that case, you had to expect that Elizabeth Warren would become one of the most powerful people in the Senate. And she's no friend of the banks. So plenty of people shorted the banks. That's right. Shorted the banks during the election. Betting that way. But today they got squeezed after the GOP expanded their Senate majority and the financials came roaring back. There will be no Elizabeth Warren overlord of the banks. Now, gridlock comes with another set of consequences. The consequence of a slowdown in the U.S. economy, as there's very little chance that we'll get a second tax cut or an infrastructure bill they know or anything that could give us a boost. The Democrats would be, have to be crazy to give Trump any victories going into 2020. So what do you do in this situation? Well, you buy the fastest-growing companies, the ones that can keep making their numbers in a slowdown. Do not overthink this, people. Go with the cloud kings. More of that about them later Or, hey, how about this one, Amazon, which may have sandbagged with its conservative guidance, giving a lowball number that can be beaten. you know that Amazon's stock rallied 112 points today? Wasn't that supposed to be a broken stock? By the way, you have to believe that any company willing to have three global headquarters must be doing pretty darn well. Uh, I don't know. I mean, usually one's enough. Then there's Apple. Last time, we profiled Apple for off the charts as the Fibonacci queen, Carolyn Barodin, herself predicted that Apple could have a huge advance starting when? This week. Makes sense to me. I think Apple's aggressively buying back its own stock here, possibly a lot more aggressively than before. The stock's now at the average purchase price of uh, uh, last quarter of 209. So it makes a lot of sense for them to buy it. They, they bought a lot of here last time. Do you know that Apple's stock rallied six points today? Wasn't that supposed to be a broken stock? Finally, i got to admit that the White House is a never-ending source of fantastic stock opportunities. Today, the president fired Jeff Sessions. And while everyone's focusing on what this means for the uh, Mueller investigation, I'm more focused on what it means for the marijuana legalization. Sessions hated pot more than anything else, anyone, anyone in the government. I mean, this guy really, like, hated pot. I mean, he didn't inhale, he didn't anything. The news of his departure sent canopy growth and the rest of the cannabis stocks flying. As investors wagered that no attorney general could be worse on the, this issue than Sessions. I mean, there's 317 million people in the country. Any one of them would be better recessions. Can it be in its punitive owner constellation remain the best ways to play eventual legalization here? Please don't overthink that either. Of course, we still need to worry about the Fed. But as I explained yesterday, it's become increasingly clear that the Fed is winning its war against inflation. Oil's in full-blown bear market mode, something obvious from the futures, but also from the meager pin action some of the Colorado producers got that after they helped defeat a ballot initiative to block drilling near residential neighborhoods. Meanwhile, mortgage applications, they are plummeting which tells me it would be totally nuts they know
3: nothing! to have
2: three more rate hikes next year on top of the one that's coming in December. Come on, guys, get, get serious. Look, I don't mind the December rate hike. Employment's still red hot. The Fed is welcome to tap on the brakes one more time. I don't mind. I, I'll let them do that. I, don't, I won't give them a the time. I just hope that they'll look at what's happening in all parts of the economy, not just the consumer, not just unemployment, and decide that they can afford to wait. See, It's going to happen before tightening any more than that. When you layer on the tariffs, it slows down the economy even more. Sure, the president talked about the possibility of a bipartisan infrastructure bill, but the Democrats in the House have every incentive to deny him a win, and the Republicans in the Senate hate infrastructure spending. So I'd say don't hold your breath, bottom line, on this remarkable day. Now that the big, bad event is in the rearview mirror, we can surge higher like we did today, but we're still hostage to the Federal Reserve, even if I think it's become more likely that Jay Powell will see reason and recognize that an expansion is a terrible thing to lay to waste. I think we should start with Joe in Florida. Joe!
3: How you doing, Jim? Uh, you, professor, you are brilliant. I'll tell you that right now. You, you sound like brilliant. my mommy. Thank you. <laughs> this is um, a question about um, at and I own at and as well as, of course, millions of people out there. Yeah. What, what happens if the Department of Justice actually wins their case. No, um, well,
2: not gonna it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're fine if you're an ATT. It's not a great stock. What am I doing this? It's not a great stock to own, candidly. I like Verizon much more. But you're fine. The Justice Department won't do anything to hurt that one. Hey, let's go to Josh in Colorado. Josh.
3: Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, you Hey, me and my dad love watching
4: your show together. It's one of our favorite pastimes to do. Hey, I wanted to get uh, your thoughts on a Kramer feed that's been hammered with the recent tech
3: slide and a couple of recent downgrades. Although it made a nice bounce today, Jim,
5: what are your thoughts on Splunk? Uh, I like Splunk. Yeah, those
2: downgrades seem ill-advised to me. I think that there's a lot of good things happening at Splunk. And when you look at how Tableau Tableau Data was today, uh, that was up 16, I believe. And when you look at how New Relic was today... You know, that's Lucerne's company. That was up 10. I think Splunk deserves to be up more than six. Remember, these were the stocks we appointed Cloud Kings. And for a while there, they spent some time in the wilderness. But they're back, and they're bigger than ever. The big, bad event is behind us. Investors came off the sidelines, and profits are being made again. At least for now. Oh man, money tonight, my exclusive with Etsy Brooklyn Zone. The company crafted an earnings speech, jumping over 20% today, the stock alone. Can the online goods emporium handcrafted continue its move? I'm talking with the CEO. Then, could an investment in Angie Home Services be a home run? I'm sitting down with the company's new CEO to see how the company's faring. And does the market forecast call for a chance of clouds? I'll tell you, if the all-important sector could be on the comeback, stay with Craig.
0: Visibility at indeed.com/slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need indeed.
1: Each toy is made by one person. From start to finish. Me. They're made by these. They came from up here, they came, they came from here, and it's not a mass-produced toy. When I sit and think about that toy sitting under that tree, it's something I made, and it's ready to be opened up Christmas morning, I don't really do feel like Santa Claus. And that's when it all kind of hits me. I think I was destined to do this. And the company behind
2: this has a stock that's destined to go higher. Look at Etsy go. Last night, the number one online marketplace for all sorts of handcrafted goods reported a spectacular quarter. So good that it propelled the stock into the stratosphere, up more than $9, nearly 24%. At this point, Kramer Fave and Brooklyn's own Etsy has already erased nearly all the losses since the stock peaked at the end of September, and the whole market went into free fall. Forget that. We've seen company after company deliver phenomenal numbers that sent their stocks back within striking distance of new highs. But Etsy's special. You almost never see a stock run up almost 24% in a single session, unless it just caught a takeover bid. Etsy made Made this move on the strength of its earnings. So how the heck did they pull it off? company delivered a terrific 8-cent earnings boost a beat off of a 7-cent basis. Can you imagine? Higher-than-expected sales, up 41% year-over-year year. revenue with acceleration, Etsy raises full-year forecast for gross merchandise sales. It's a key metric. The total amount of stuff that gets sold on their platform for revenues uh, and for uh, raising for margins, too. The source of the strength? Among many positive developments, in June, the company rolled out a new fee structure, effectively raising its prices, and the platform is so valuable that both consumers and sellers barely seem to notice, especially with all the improvements Etsy's made to its website. So could the stock have more upside here? Well, you know how I feel, but well, let's take it from the man. Let's dig deep. Let's go to Josh Silverman, the CEO of Etsy, hear more about this amazing quarter and what it means for his company's future. Mr. Silverman, welcome back to Man Money, and congratulations. Congratulations not just on the quarter, but what you've accomplished. And what I wanted to talk about first is that advertisement, because that's what retail was
4: for some of us when we were growing up. It was individual artisans,
2: and then they went out of business. You brought them back.
4: Well, you know, our mission is keeping commerce human. And it's really about in a world where automation is changing the nature of work and we're all buying more and more commoditized things from the same few fulfillment centers, allowing someone to harness their creative energy and turn that creativity into, uh, into a business and then connect with someone in the other part of the country or in another part of the world. And that's really special and we think there's an ever increasing need for that in this world. Just, there's, there's so many metaphors in it.
2: Work with his hands, okay, so therefore not a machine work with wood, not plastic that goes into a landfill. One person can't mass produce. We don't want it mass produced. That means everybody has it. How did you identify That's a, that's, that's not an actor. That's an
4: actual man. It's an actual person who, by the way, is also a Santa Claus and has been <laughs> since just, he was young. He's it's, amazing. It's brilliant. It it's is amazing. It is the exact.
2: It is the heart and soul of your company. Now, you raise prices, but you offered so much more. There was not only no resistance, but it accelerated.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's about value. So we've been really focused on delivering more value for our makers. And, you know, Etsy really is a platform that brings buyers to sellers, and that's very valuable. And charging a 5% commission, we went from 35 to 5% was, uh, I think, fair value for our sellers, particularly because we've invested almost all of that, 80% of that we're reinvesting into the growth of the platform.
2: Now, what's amazing to me, uh, among many things that you guys do,
4: is that you were thoughtful
2: about what that buyer might want.
4: And you talked about delivery, trying to make it so that everybody gets a good deal. Yeah, you know, free shipping is pretty much table stakes today. And yet, only about 20% of items have free shipping. And in fact, one thing we talked about in the call yesterday is that about half of all the items on Etsy, buyers say, have shipping prices that are too high. And yet, we grew GMS at 20% last quarter. And it'll grow faster
2: after what you
7: said in the call. We got to fix
2: it. Okay, so I want to know, people have to know what this is like. So for instance, I have a daughter, she's creative. But you just normally, she would just going to work some fashion place. But she says, "I'm making corrugated cardboard, small 3D A-frame cabin ornaments for Etsy." I mean, now one of the things that's so amazing is is that someone's actually going to find these, right? Because of the way you do your website, the way you do your you don't just go to that; you go to a like a department store section now, right?
4: Yeah. So. Machine learning is opening up a whole new opportunity for us to take 50 million items from two different makers, two million makers, and make sense of that for people. Right. So a lot of people come. We have 37 million active buyers now, and many of them That's come right. just for discovery, just to right. see what they can find. And that is exactly the right thing for someone out there, and our job is to create that love connection.
2: And what else you've done? Love connection, right? Because it's holidays. It's it's by uh, person. I mean, it's like I actually, you can comb through it to find the best things. And you did that. I mean, that was something
4: that you you really created a worldwide handcrafted department store. Well, Etsy over the past uh, 14 years with a a large team effort has I think done a great job. And one thing I'd wanna emphasize is the quality and the craftsmanship of so many of the products on Etsy. That's something that that has been um, such a delight for me as I spend time. People like Kringle workshops that make these incredible products. And what we have been doing a better job and need to continue to do a better job of really surfacing the beautiful artisanally crafted products that are available at a really fair price. You're not yeah. having to pay for warehousing. You're not having to pay for all the other things that mass-produced right. things are. You're buying directly from the person who made it. So it can be both beautiful, handcrafted, and well-priced.
2: I have to tell you that uh, it's all those things that drive my daughter, but my daughter also feels at home because she says, look, there's a lot of women. Yeah. And that is incredible, right? Yeah. A lot of women at home doing things, that uh, that are you're
4: empowering? Fifty yes. percent uh, of the people. I'm so glad you talked about that. So two million sellers, eighty-seven percent of them are women. Over ninety percent are working from home huh, or businesses of one who can create a, clo- a global business from their garage or their living room. And Etsy does provide a real sense of community for them. Yes. That's really powerful.
2: Uh, how about a little uh, metaphorical? Uh, let's say um, David and Goliath. Is it not ironic that we hear that Amazon may open its headquarters in Queens, and you're in
4: Brooklyn? So, you know, we feel great about our employee value proposition, and come what may. Uh, And here's what we have going for us. We think we've got the best team, uh, certainly in tech companies on the Eastern Seaboard. We think ours is, is the best. And we continue to attract great talent And the reason is, first and foremost, I think our mission is really a meaningful, important mission. And that matters. Great people want to work in a place with a great mission. Second, our technology challenges are interesting. For example, search and using machine learning to make sense of 50 million items that don't map to a catalog. And third, our culture is really special. We have been a company that's authentically cared about diversity from the beginning. So over 50% of our executive staff are women. We have a balanced board, 50% male and female. 32% of our engineers are female, which is twice the industry average. So people who care about diversity and inclusion really want to come to work at Etsy. So all of that is going for us, and, and we're happy to compete with whoever well, we
2: need to. Josh, you and your team, I should I've just because you always make point of your team, have done remarkable things. Congratulations. Thank you very much. That's Josh Silberman. He's the CEO of Etsy. And... No, it's not done going up. A stock that goes up nine goes up a lot more. Trust me. Man, money's back there. To break.
1: The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships. unlock the energy and order yours at acura.com
0: take your business further with a smart and flexible american express business gold card you can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit u.s restaurants and gas stations that's the powerful backing of american express Four times points at up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com business gold card.
2: The cloud is back! Long live the cloud! During the dark days of October, panic swept the whole market. However, the worst hit group was the cloud sector. The house of
1: pain. We heard
2: myriad calls that this previously beloved cohort was rolling over and the momentum hedge funds were throwing the cloud stocks out as fast as they could. sell, 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 sell. Of course, the cloud sell-off turned out to be very wrong for one incredibly simple reason. The fundamentals. Last time, we got some reports from companies that are integral to the cloud, and they showed anything but a slowdown. For example, New Relic, run by the fantastic Cerny, told a story about accelerating growth in the use of the web and how celebrity dashboards have become vital to the maintenance of real-time websites, including USA Today's digital coverage of the election last night. Stocks soared 12% today. Then there's the extraordinary numbers put up by Tableau Software, Symbol Data, which does analytics for web users. CEO Adam Salipsky, who was brought in to turn the company around. And by the way, when he, when he got the job, came right on here and said he's going to turn it around. And he has. He put up amazing numbers with total annual re- re- recurring revenue, which is the key metric, up 45%. No wonder this stock rallied 15% today. He came here and told you it was going to happen. Or how about Twilio, speaking of someone who came and told us it was going to happen. You know, we recently visited Twilio's San Francisco headquarters, where the brilliant Jeff Lawson, CEO, founder, showed us how clients use push technology in the cloud to create an amazing customer experience. You may not know Twilio itself, but if you've ever ordered, say, an Uber or a Lyft, among so many other things, uh, you're using their communication technology. This company is rapidly developing the single easiest way to stay in touch with customers. I say easiest because Jeff actually taught me how to write code to create a template that I'm now thinking uh, I might use for the Longshoreman, our new Tuscan restaurant in Brooklyn, where we want to use the Twilio platform to push specials right to your cell phone. Yep, it's so easy that even an ancient, baby-booming mariner like me can do it. These three software companies are all integral to the cloud, and their businesses are accelerating. And that dovetails with exactly what we heard when we talked to Anil Bushry at Workday and, of course, Mark Benioff. Congratulations, Props to Salesforce, both of which had an amazing quarters. I think the strength's continuing. Who else is winning? Last night, in an extraordinary interview with Eric Johnson of TheStreet.com, AMD's all-star CEO, Lisa Su, talked about how Amazon just selected their chips for their data centers. What's incredible to me is the sheer amount of demand from Amazon Web Services. The business is growing like crazy. Again, that's totally at odds with the narrative we were worried about when Amazon reported last month. I wonder if Amazon stock rallied 112 bucks today. Now let's put it all together. Today I met with my friend Mark Chakin from Chakin Analytics, the man who created the Chaikin money flow, which we talk about all the time in the off the chart segments. We did a webinar together and he mentioned the tick. That's an instrument developed by the late, great Dick Arms, which measures buying and selling pressure during trading sessions. Well, one session during the October downturn, due to you know the tick, showed the highest level of concentrated selling in 40 years. Chaykin told us that was pure panic, and the cloud was at the epicenter of the panic. He said it was the momentum funds bailing, and once they were done bailing, you got your opportunity. I think that opportunity continues now that we have the evidence we need to prove that this business keeps accelerating. The cloud names rallied like crazy today, and I think they've got more room to run. If anything, they might be the best tech stocks, other than maybe cybersecurity. Cyber are a great number tonight to own from now until the end of the year. Let's go to Michael in New York. Michael.
3: Hey, Jim, thanks for taking my call. Of course. Um, first, a big bullion for a wonderful day out there. Uh, second time caller, uh, last was back in May when I called you about OKTA. Right. Uh, two questions. First, I don't know, is it called Octa? Octa, yeah, Octa. It's okay. real, it's good. Yeah, the, the stock had just hit 50 at the time, and I know you were enamored with it, but you were a little cautious, and rightfully so, as you mentioned it, it was up pretty substantially. Um, I caught Todd McKinnon on your show last month, uh, who I thought was uh, made a great presentation. Didn't, you? Didn't about He it, seemed it, terrific. Yeah. Yes. He was amazing. And he talked about, you know, just five thousand customers and a new alliance with, I believe, Fox and possibly was it Major League Baseball.
2: I think it was. I think it was. Yeah. They're doing a lot and, of
3: terrific um, stuff. Yeah, it's it's uh Seem to have developed a real base here. You know, it gapped up after we after we spoke, and then came down. Then in um, June, right. uh, excuse me, in September, it went up like fourteen points, and then with this whole cloud sell-off, came back down. Yeah, but Michael,
2: that's where the opportunity comes in. I mean, Todd McKinnon, the reason why we liked him so much, CEO of Octa, he was Todd McKinnon was the chief. Uh, he was at, at vice president, senior vice president, of development at Salesforce. Uh, And got the blessing of Benioff. He did fantastic things, head of engineering, and he's doing all that great stuff now at Okta. Let's go to Steve in Indiana. Steve. Steve? Go ahead, Steve. You're up. Jim. Go ahead. Yes,
4: Jim. Greetings from
2: Indianapolis. Oh, nice. I was there for the Super Bowl. It's beautiful. What's up?
4: Oh, yes. Yeah, great weather then. In um, log, log is my stock that I'm interested in. Um, they were trading at 130 in February. Uh, second quarter earnings announcement was uh, not taken well, and the stock dropped down about 20%. It's moved back up to around 88 now. Uh, I've been impressed with their go meeting platform. Uh, Sales growth looks good, but their return on equity and return on assets, not so good. Mm -hmm. I know you're a big fan of Salesforce um, in this space. Is this an investable company? You know,
2: I've got to find out. I saw the stock break down and did not do the work that I should have to find out why it broke down. So I'm going to have to put that in the homework file and come back with Log Me In because I don't know what drove it down. Okay. Along with the cloud, the panic has subsided. And that means these stocks can accelerate. Much more mad money. Don't sweat the home repairs. I'm buying a company that knows a guy who can help. Don't miss my exclusive with the CEO of Angie Home Services. Then former Intel CEO Brian Krasanich just announced he's leading CDK Global. And the stock's down on the news of a bad quarter. I got a chance to sit down with him to hear about what he's going to do to right the ship. And lawyer calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Now that everybody's feeling euphoric, I want to circle back to some of the stocks that got slammed for company-specific reasons during the October meltdown. really had nothing to do with what was going on. Companies like Angie Home Services, which was created last year when IAC, the huge digital conglomerate, Merge its home advisor business that we like so much with Angie's List, which we we're recommending. Home advisor helps people find contractors to fix up their houses. Angie's List is a crowdsourced review website where consumers can review all sorts of local businesses, especially contractors. So there's a lot of synergy here. Since the merger, the company's been putting up some terrific results. And even after last month's sell-off, the stock's up 82% year-to-date. Four weeks ago, it made a little bit of turbulence. We learned that Angie's uh, CEO, Chris Carroll would be stepping down. The company's chief product officer, Brandon now is going to take the in January. Well, regular viewers know that we love this story. But Wall Street hates change, especially when we're talking about the shakeup of a highly effective management team, which is why the stock fell almost 5% on the news. But I think that's just a darn overreaction. Tonight's numbers were really impressive. So let's take a closer look with Brandon Ridenour, who's the incoming CEO of Angie Home Services, to get a better sense of his vision for the company. Mr. Ridenour, welcome to Mad Money. Good to see you, sir. We loved this combination, and we loved Angie's, and we thought it was chronically Chronically undervalued, but it was maybe not as well run as it should have been what are you bringing to the party? Because I think that this we had Etsy earlier This is the analog of Etsy this be huge company when you guys are done putting it together the way it should
7: be that's right Well, it's a huge space the home services market is estimated at 400 billion or more uh, Dollars in annual value and only about 10% of its online So we're in the very early days of a very large space that's gonna be a seismic shift and coming online over the coming decade. So we've got that tailwind uh, at our back Uh, HomeAdvisor is a brand that's been growing strongly for the last five years. Uh, So we've got great performance there. A year ago, we combined HomeAdvisor and Angie's List, and we've seen tremendous value creation through that pairing. Now, uh, I think people have to know that this is not just the United States. That's right. You've got a really thriving business in Europe. That's right. We've got the leading brand in Canada. And we have several of the leading brands across uh, several Western European countries. And so we're trying to take this playbook uh, and run it in a number of different countries. And we've got the leaders uh, in, a, in a few different places. Now, can you tell me, uh, just, to, just logistically, one part of your operation works
2: closely with Walmart, with Wayfair. I mean, I always find I want, I want people to help me put the stuff
7: together. Ah, yeah. I, I do. I mean, yeah. it's, it's big intimidation for me. And I get very frustrated. But you guys have answers. Well, that's more and more people's preference. We were uh, able to acquire a company called Handy Technologies in this last quarter. They have a phenomenal service, particularly in the retail space, that's available point of sale. So if you've got a piece of furniture you've purchased that requires assembly, you've bought a shower head that needs to be installed, now you can bolt on that installation service right there at Point of Sale. They've got some great partnerships. We expect to see that channel grow significantly over the coming right. years, and that's a good growth channel for Okay, us. how can you get the word out about that? Because literally, I was at a major a do-it-yourself center the, uh,
2: about three days ago, and I just said, boy, I'd love to do this myself. I just need a little help, and that's what we want.
7: Yes. And yes. You,
2: you can find people because it's so hard to find people.
7: Absolutely. They're able to deliver this service at an amazing level of reliability anywhere in the country. Uh, That's how they've been able to get some of these large partnerships in the retail space you're gonna hear more and more about it. We just acquired them about two weeks ago. It's um, so good. This, this is what we're focused on. I think it's very exciting. Now, a lot of people say there's a labor shortage in the
2: country and therefore yep. it's hard to find craftsmen, hard to find people who are at Angie's. But you, if I look at your, when I look at your site, that's not necessarily true.
7: Yeah, well, uh, that's what makes a service of, like ours so useful. Right. Uh, we do a lot of the, the heavy lifting for you in terms of finding professionals that are available to do your job and can take on that work. It is true the nation's facing a shortage of these types of right. providers. And uh, I think in the long term, that's something we have to solve. But uh, we're very early days in this space. Uh, while we're the dominant leader right. in the category, we've got single-digit penetration. So we're not constrained from a growth perspective uh, by that, that sort of economic shortage. And tonight's numbers show that you are able to, obviously, you're growing by leaps and bounds, that's frankly. Right. Yeah, that's right. Let me ask you one last thing. How do you be sure about quality? Uh, well, we do a lot. That's a huge part of the focus of okay. the company, and it's what differentiates us from perhaps yeah. going and finding providers on your own. And so uh, every provider, and we have over 200,000 of them that are in our network, every single one of them is background checked and screened. We do criminal and financial screening. We check state-level licensing. And uh, once they're in the network, we have ongoing quality uh, verification uh, where we make sure that these are good providers and they're doing good work. We also have, obviously, customer feedback that's coming in in real time. So there's an entire ecosystem around making sure that we have the highest quality providers uh, that we can.
2: Now, is there really anybody else? And the reason I say this is because I think you guys can be in a lot more verticals than you already are. Uh Do you know how many small business people would love someone
7: that's vetted by your company to help come to do some uh, work
2: who we don't even know where to find?
7: I agree. Uh, And and, and we think that... Perhaps the brand could expand to cover right? any service delivered in and around the home. That's so, what we want. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding, because the company itself, the two companies, yeah. are the answer to a lot of us who are
2: want to help, want to do it, and don't know how to find a contract. Right, honestly. It's a challenge. It absolutely is. And that's uh, that's what we're that's what we're good at. Oh, I think it's a great combination. We liked it before, we like it even more together. Okay, that's that's Brandon Ridenour. now. He's the incoming CEO of Angie Home Services. Guys, you gotta look at this. This is an Etsy, this is the future. Mad Money's back in for the brand. It is time! It's over for the lighting round. And then the lighting round's over. Are you ready, ski, dad? for the lighting round. We're going to start with Barney in Oregon. Barney! Booyah from the Rose City. Yes, love Rose City. What's up? Daughters out there. Go so, ahead.
3: Albemar's had a little bit of a run recently. Yes, and it deserved it. So well it had good numbers. It's straight
2: up. up. What is- I still like it here. The numbers were terrific. Some people didn't like the sales numbers. Give me a break. Let's go to Mark in
3: Michigan. Mark. Booyah, Jim, from the land of Sandy Lake, Michigan, beaches
4: and glorious sunsets. Jim, my stock is C O D I. I've loved it for its predictable dividend, but it had an earnings miss last week. What got else? punished, pretty Dang, bad. It's I want to buy box. more. What's your take?
2: It's it a black box. You have no idea what's really in the thing, so therefore I can't say that 8.96% yield is safe. I just can't do it. Let's go to Daniel in New York. Daniel, booyah, Kramer. Yo yo. Uh, I was wondering what you think of DJ's wholesale club for a long-term position, considering See, they'll be the opening problem. more Here's the problem. DJ's, I know it's good, but Costco's better. And I am always a best-of-breed guy, even if Costco's much bigger and been around more. You know, I just think you got to go with Costco. I need to go to Kevin in Massachusetts. Kevin!
3: Hey, Jim. Big hey, Booyah from South Boston. Okay.
5: I'm calling about science. Uh, it peaked at 67 in August, and now it's down to the low 40s. Yeah, what but I think it's electronic
2: signature. We did like the company, and we still like the company. I know it's it's been part of the crisis of confidence it is this group of tech stocks that I think can come back. Tim in Maryland. Tim.
3: Yeah, I wanted to ask you
2: about CSX. Yeah, I'll see, your, I'll see your CSX, and I'll raise you with Union Pacific. They're both great companies, but I am a Union Pacific bull because they're buying back a ton of stock. Let's go to John in Indiana. John.
3: Booyah from Indianapolis. Oh, good My to have you. Is. Hey Frank
2: Reich is a fabulous coach. Congratulations on snaring in.
3: Oh yeah. Caesar's Entertainment. Have you mm-hmm. come to bury Caesar or to praise it? Et tu, Boute.
2: Hey, listen, man, the fall of a Caesar's the balance sheet, not the stars. I say Ixnay on Caesar's Nay. Let's go to Jason in Arizona. Jason.
1: Jim, a big Booyah from sunny Scottsdale. How are you doing? I love
2: the golf in Scottsdale and I'm not even a golfer. What do you got? <laughs> My company is Store
1: Capital Corporation Simple S-T-O-R
2: Yeah, I mean Like this is a really hard to understand Real estate investment trust I'm not going to go there Some of these REITs are just like You know, they're houses of pain I am not going to put you in that address It's just not right Let's go to uh, Pietro in New Jersey Pietro
3: Hey, Crane Good evening good evening, it's Pietro we are in New Jersey have a pharma company here in the Garden State I'm kind of interested in. Someone called on this before you're going to check it out. CTSO, buy, seller hold. Geez, you know,
2: I said I'd check it out. My bad. Oh, I can't end on that. Come on, let me end on a better one. I'm taking one more. I'm sorry. I'm going to Rick in Florida. Rick.
1: Hello? Rick. It's oh, Jim. Uh, Jim. Yeah. Oh, uh, thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Uh, what do you think of Cisco at these prices, or would you wait the The CSCO card
3: kind
2: of should be bought right here. I'm telling Carvers of excellenceplus.com ahead buy of buy the the next the week's big call. Bye,
3: bye, 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 bye,
2: Chuck Robbins is good in Atlanta's one three in a row. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning
6: Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
2: This morning, we learned that Brian Krasanich, the former CEO of Intel, who had to step down over the summer for violating the company's anti-fraternization policy, has now a new job. He's the CEO of CDK Global. This is a company that makes software for auto dealerships and adjacent industries. I think they made a good call with this hire. CDK needs someone like Krasanich to right the ship. Uh, uh, Just like he did at Intel, frankly, because the company just reported a big shortfall and lowered its full year guidance. Oh, man, they need Krishanish. Now, earlier this week, we had a chance to check in with Brian Krishanish and hear about this new role that he has running CDK Global. Take a look. All right, Brian, when we last caught up with you, you were at a $200 billion semiconductor company. Now you're going to a company that is less than $10 billion but is a huge part of the auto chain.
5: Why this company and how can you reinvent it because it only had 1% growth last year? So, I mean, first, CDK is an exciting company. It is the platform that is driving the automotive industry. And it, it is truly, you and I have talked about, software as a service and data-driven. It, it currently serves about $500 billion a year in automotive commerce, uh, 28,000 dealerships, one to two terabytes of data a year. And so that's really exciting to me. It's got a great core business existing, but a huge opportunity to grow as we really modernize the automotive industry.
2: Well, I'm good you brought that up because I recently helped my daughter buy a car, and one of the reasons why she wanted to, after she looked it up on her cell phone, of course, yep. was that she said, Dad, it's gonna be just like you, uh, when you bought in 1977. Brian, it was exactly like it, despite the fact that almost everything else is digitized. They say that they're very computer savvy, but it's not digitized.
5: It's not, and currently 90% of people already do all the research on the internet prior to showing up to that dealership. But the minute you cross that sidewalk and enter the dealership, all of that experience that we're used to, an app-like experience on the phone, just stops. And now it's paper-driven, it's driven by, by many more people, you're handed off. And that's an opportunity, the way I look at it, is it's an opportunity to really bring that same innovation that we see in many other commerce areas into this area.
2: What has been the resistance? I say that because CDK is a remarkable company because you know, there's, it's seven out of the top 10 dealer groups use them. So, I mean, obviously everybody wants things to be easy. We all want our time, but there must be some internal resistance that makes it so that they're not as digitized.
5: Yeah, you, know, you know, change takes two things. One, it takes a company that can really innovate and bring that technology. It takes a vision to do mm-hmm. that. I mean, that's really why I'm joining the company is to help bring that vision of of what could be done. And then it it takes usually one or two leaders to really lead the pack and show the way that it can be done. And that takes a relationship and trust and and building that that. Uh, uh, community, And so I, I think that's what we're going to work on over the next year or two.
2: Now, this is a spinoff of Automatic Data, another company. We have loved Automatic Data forever. It's been a fantastic performer. Automatic Data moved very aggressively into the cloud. Uh, how much of this business, because it, it is really in the cloud right now, and how much can be?
5: It's it already really in the cloud. That's that one to two terabytes of data okay. a day that's going through there. That's That's considerable. But there's more opportunity when you when you take a look at the experiences that we all have and to expand beyond that but like you said, when you go into the dealership, how much of that data is still on paper versus think, we can extract it into the cloud.
2: I, to me, it seemed like that the whole thing was on. Like it, and
5: and what we paper. have to show the dealers is that it's really going to make them better, that it can actually make them more efficient, that they can serve the customer better, and, and they can actually be more profitable as a result of this.
2: Now, uh, when I look at what they do, it would have t- Apply not to just buying a car. I mean, it could be repairs, uh, ad solutions. I mean, all this, the selling proposition, all this can be done, as far as I'm concerned, by push technology. I want a Twilio push. I want it organized so that I get it on my, my thing. I, I don't want to have to beg to have a car pick me up from the dealership and take me home after I drop my car. Can you end that?
5: You, you bet, and there's multiple ways to go do that. One is to use one of the ride-sharing services to, to give you a discount to automatically go take you to and from the dealership uh, and, and have that be part of the process. But it's the whole thing about linking you to your car, really, through your phone, through your, your technology. You know, you, when do you take your car into for repair? It's usually either when the light goes on or, or when something doesn't work. And what we really need to do is really connect you and make it proactive and say, hey, we think we see things going on. Why don't you bring your car in? Here's an Uber to get you back home. All of that kind of activity. Right, so we should
2: catch up. Now, I know you as a car guy because I applauded the Mobileye acquisition at Intel. And you were telling me about in Israel they were driving around all mobile cars. And they were doing it right on the street. We're not there yet, are we?
5: No, we're not there. I'm still a firm believer that autonomous vehicles are the future and and my children's children won't drive. But that's another place where CDK can really play a key role. The dealerships are going to need to interact with those autonomous cars, bring them in for service. Some of them are going to be leases that you do. And CDK, again, that platform, can easily transition into that space as well.
2: Okay, I do need to know just a little bit about Intel, because we loved you there, and you did such a remarkable job, and you set it on the greatest course. It's been a fantastic stock. Was there any way, I know you had the violation of the non-fraternization policy, but is there any way you could have stayed there?
5: You know, it's it's just as as was reported, right? We, the board and I agreed that it was the right time for me to just retire, and, and this gives me a chance to, I've spent the last few months really thinking about what I want to do next. and. But It's been really
2: good for me. Again, I am going to say, though, that you, I mean, it seemed like a retroactive situation, and you did a great job. I know, you know, I want you to stay, but I guess.
5: Intel is set on a great course, and it's a great company, and I have 100% faith in it. Uh, and it was just the right time for me to go ahead and retire and and do something else.
2: Now there are probably millions of opportunities that you could do. And you could do also you know you could do charity. You could do you know love oh, academics because yeah. I you know you are a academic, but you're also I remember from Reddit you're a gamer. I mean why CDK?
5: How many different opportunities did you look at and why this? You know, I, I spent time with Andy Bryant after I you left, did? and he, Smart guy. he made me commit that I wouldn't do anything till like September, November. That okay. that I needed time to really take a look at the opportunities, okay. and I looked far and wide, and I had many, many opportunities. It came down to two things. One, CDK was uniquely positioned, and you and I have talked about SaaS businesses sure. and data, and that was a unique. They have a core business that's great, Mm -hmm. and I believe a huge opportunity to grow. Second, automotive industry. I have a passion for the automotive industry. And I wanted to get engaged in the business today, and that was a chance to go do that.
2: One last question. I met you at a dinner with Elon Musk. Yes. They have a very different model. Is that one that could ever be a CDK could offer, or is it just really you're going to stay with the verticals the way the industry is now?
5: No, I think that there will be more Tesla-like models across the world where there are companies out building those And CDK
2: stocks. can be a part
5: of it. And CDK can absolutely be a platform that drives that uh, commerce. Well, path.
2: I've watched the stock for a long time. I remember when Elliott Partners got involved, and I think it needs that special growth that you could have. It's a lot bigger market. Than the company size is right now. That's Brian Krasanich. He's the newly announced president and CEO of CDK Global, a stock that we've been recommending, but I think it does. The company needs a boost, and I think Brian's going to give it. It's going to happen. That money's back in. Okay, Udi Makati delivered an incredible number tonight, CyberArk. You know we still love the cybersecurity stocks. Wynn, on the other hand, not so incredible number. Roku, a little confusing. Square, a little confusing. Carvana, unbelievably almost like Nirvana. A lot of stuff to cover tonight. I'm canceling all my plans. I'm just going to work. Like I said, there's always a bull market. summer. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim and I'll see you tomorrow.
1: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses,